I'm Kyle Paletto and welcome to Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly recap on the biggest news in gaming. Each Sunday, I'll take you through the biggest updates, exciting reveals and controversies in video games. Here is the news for Sunday, 1st of May. Let's go. Microsoft is one step closer to adding Activision Blizzard to its significant collection of first-party studios after shareholders approved a buyout offer and voted overwhelmingly in favour of the deal. It's still subject to regulatory approval, but in a statement posted for investors on the Activision Blizzard site, the company said the transaction is expected to be completed by the end of next financial year. U.S. Federal Trade Commission Chairwoman Lena Khan said that her team would be scrutinizing big tech acquisitions and U.S. Senators have raised a number of concerns about the ongoing lawsuits surrounding alleged sexual harassment and toxicity. We'll keep you updated as more information is released. Sticking with Activision, Infinity Ward's next Call of Duty game has been named. It's called Modern Warfare 2. And you might think, hang on, didn't that game come out in 2009? Well, this is the sequel to the 2019 game, also with a duplicate name, Modern Warfare. So Activision has kind of painted itself into a corner when it comes to naming its sequel. No word on release dates just yet, but we'll keep you posted. In other Call of Duty news, players caught cheating in Vanguard, the most recent game in the series, will now no longer be able to see or hear their enemies. Dealing with cheaters is a constant game of cat and mouse for developers, and this latest disincentive will mean legitimate players will be cloaked entirely from cheaters, turning honest players into stealthy assassins and hackers into XP pinatas. Pretty funny, really, but in the arms race that is hacks, it might shortly be circumvented, so get your XP farming in while you can. Australia's first game development union, Game Workers Australia, launches on May 1st, which is also known as May Day, one of the most important days for the labour movement. Formed as a partnership with Professionals Australia, Tim Colwell, convener of Game Workers Australia, said it's an exciting and important time for all workers in the games industry to get on board. Uh, it is fantastic to finally see all this start to come together, you know, like it, it feels like the uh, the, the end result of about, I think, four and a half, five years of hard work. But um, really, this is just the, the beginning for us. You know, from here, it's, it's really exciting to see, to think of what we're going to do next now that we have all this support and, and you know, we can really start kicking things up um, up a notch. And um, I guess I just, you know, we think this is a big deal um, and, and a really big chance for everyone to get involved and be on the ground floor of something completely new that's never been done before in Australia. And, and like all unions, we are democratically run by and for our members. So, this is a chance for anyone who has a vision of what they want the industry to be to come along, come to our meetings, come and set the agenda. You know, it really is up to you to take charge of of this group collective project and be a part of it um, and help us push it as far as we can. So I really want anyone listening to who's in the game industry to step in um, and, and, you know, lend their voice to our collective and help us make it everything it possibly can be. The launch will be held in person at Mothership Studios in Sydney or streamed online on YouTube, and it will be archived if you miss it. Return to Monkey Island is a new sequel in the long-running LucasArts series, and creator Ron Gilbert says it'll be ditching some of that punishing 90s-era game design for a more streamlined experience. In an interview with Ars Technica, Gilbert said hard puzzles and getting stuck was what players expected 30 years ago, but with the advent of the internet, modern players will just jump online and find a walkthrough if they're struggling, so the game will be implementing an in-universe hint system. 
It'll borrow a system from Gilbert's previous adventure game, Thimbleweed Park, called Casual Mode, which makes it easier for players not steeped in the genre to progress through the story. Return to Monkey Island will be an alternative third game in the series. Gilbert left LucasArts after Monkey Island 2 and another creative team took the series in a different direction. You can read about this and the other changes coming to Return to Monkey Island on the Ars Technica site. We've linked it in the show notes. Halo Infinite was the first game in the series to launch without a co-op option, but 343 Industries have just released an updated roadmap showing that they're targeting August to get you onto Delta Halo with your mates. Head of creative on Halo Infinite, Joseph Stadden, said in a blog post on the Halo website that the team was aware they weren't able to deliver features as quickly as players would like, but health and work-life balance was a priority. This roadmap reflects the same studio priorities that we shared back in March. Addressing issues negatively impacting player experience, completing Season 2 and delivering it as promised on May 3rd, continuing work on campaign co-op Forge and Season 3. With a priority zero of team health and getting ourselves into a sustainable development rhythm so that we can deliver great experiences to all of you while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. We know we need to deliver more content and more features more quickly. Staying true to priority zero means that sometimes we need to slow down in order to stay healthy and to move faster later. But we're also aggressively looking at ways to accelerate. In the roadmap shared, 343 hopes to implement campaign replay as well as online co-op in late August and the Forge mode for custom maps in September. And in a welcome return, the team is also working on split-screen co-op, which was notably absent from the last Halo game, Halo 5 Guardians. In the wake of a cancelled E3 this year, Microsoft will stream the Xbox Bethesda Game Showcase on June 12th. It'll likely be heavy on new information about upcoming titles for Xbox Game Pass, and it kind of goes to show that sadly, E3 just isn't as important as it used to be. We didn't get much in terms of details, but I think I can speak for everyone when I say please let there be some Starfield gameplay footage. We're only seven months away from release, and I still feel like I know nothing about this game. I would also welcome any news about The Elder Scrolls VI, but I'm less hopeful given how much emphasis is being placed on Starfield as the next big Bethesda release. That being said, it has been four years since the Skyrim sequel was announced, with zero further information revealed in that time, so maybe this is the year for an update. We also know that a new Forza Motorsport is in the works, as well as an entry into one of my all-time favourite franchises, Fable. But we'll just have to wait and see what Microsoft has in store next month. PlayStation Plus pricing has been announced for Australia, confirming the new service will be launching on the 22nd of June. All existing PlayStation Plus members will move to the new Essential tier at $11.95 a month. Then you have PlayStation Plus Extra, which includes a catalogue of 400 PS4 and PS5 titles, which will be $18.95 a month, and Deluxe, which includes extra PS1, PS2, and PSP games, which will come in at $21.95 a month. We still don't know which games will be included, but a couple of leaked titles have appeared on the PlayStation Store, including Tekken 2, Worms Armageddon for PS1, and Ridge Racer 2 for PSP. If you have both PS Plus and the GameStream PS Now subscriptions, it'll be automatically converted to the new subscription tiers when they launch. But if you were hoping to stack up a bunch of prepaid time cards now to get ahead of that conversion, don't bother, because Sony has already stopped people adding extra time to their accounts. So save your money until June. 
Bloomberg.com is reporting that streaming platform Twitch is considering making significant changes to its partners program. In other words, streamers may be looking at quite a pay cut. Currently, the site's top streamers take home 70% of their subscriber revenue, but this report suggests that Twitch is considering reducing that to 50%, bringing them in line with smaller partners. Twitch is also considering allowing its partners to stream on other platforms in exchange for a higher revenue cut and is considering expanding how it handles revenue sharing for advertisers. While there are some positive options in there, it's hard not to be skeptical of intentions for the Amazon-owned platform. It'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. There's a huge gap between these massive top-tier partners like Pokimane or Loserfruit and smaller partners when it comes to negotiating fairer pay deals. Check the show notes for a link to the full Bloomberg report. In Ubisoft news, the French publisher announced this week that 91 games in its back catalogue of releases have had their multiplayer and online services shut down over the past year. The list is pretty extensive and features a heap of older releases across PC and console platforms from the PS2 era all the way up to a handful of games still available on PS4. The games have also been decoupled from Ubisoft's Connect platform that lets players earn coins to unlock in-game items and bonuses in certain releases. Games that have closed their online services include Far Cry 2, Assassin's Creed 2, Ghost Recon Future Soldier and Rainbow Six Lockdown. This also means that anyone who hasn't acquired multiplayer achievements from these games will no longer be able to earn them. This follows further whispers that the French publisher is tightening up its business as several private equity firms look towards a potential buyout of the company. For more info on that, you can head to the show notes to check out a recent report by Bloomberg. Sega is delisting classic ports of many beloved Sonic games ahead of the release of their new remastered bundle pack, Sonic Origins, which is coming out on June 23. Older versions of Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic 2, Sonic 3, and Knuckles and Sonic CD will be delisted from digital storefronts by May 20. This also includes the mobile ports on Android and iOS, as well as updated ports across PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. Fans are pretty concerned about the news, as the quality of the upcoming Origins port is unknown. It also doesn't help that Sega revealed pre-order and DLC bonuses for the Origin pack, including a baffling number of additions, like camera controls over main menu islands and letterbox background as exclusives for the premium fun pack DLC. Sounds like a hot mess. If you're a Sonic fan, maybe pick up the current ports before May 20. And lastly, Diablo Immortal, the latest Diablo title which was initially designed to be playable on phones, will now be coming to PC as well. In a blog post, Blizzard outlined that this was a major request from the community and the game will be playable with keyboard and mouse, controller and touch. The game will have cross-platform multiplayer and progression across devices and you can try out the open beta on June 2nd. That's it for news. Here are the games you'll be able to pick up this week. After nearly two years of delays, Wildcat Gun Machine is finally here. This bullet hell dungeon crawler by Chunky Box Games is set in what looks like a cartoon version of a Doom game and looks like it could be a heap of chaotic fun. It's out on Switch, PC, Xbox and PlayStation on the 4th of May. Also out this week is the super intriguing indie out of the Warsaw Film and Game School titled Best Month Ever a point-and-click narrative-driven adventure taking influence from the Telltale games. The story follows a mum who finds out she only has a month to live, taking her son on a road trip down memory lane. 
Set in rural USA in the 70s with flashbacks to the 60s, this indie title looks grimy and emotional, and I hope it ends up being as interesting as it looks. Get your hands on it for all platforms on May 5th. And also out on the 5th is the highly anticipated Trek to Yomi, the black and white side-scrolling homage to classic samurai movies. This game looks fantastic. It's apparently only five hours long and is available on Game Pass Day 1, so I'll definitely be giving it a run when it releases on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC this Thursday. Citizen Sleeper, a stylish narrative RPG that plays a bit like a digital tabletop game, launches on the 5th. This game from Gareth Damien Martin, developer of In Other Waters, puts you in the shoes of a digitized human consciousness in an artificial body who escapes from corporate masters. It's got a terrific art style and it could be your thing if you want more cyberpunk stories. It'll be out on Xbox Game Pass at release and also available on PC, Mac and Nintendo Switch. If you've got 15 minutes, we'll catch you up on the gaming news each Sunday on Walkthrough. And that's it for this week. This has been Walkthrough by Sifter. My name is Kyle Paletto. Thank you so much for listening. Sifter is produced by Nicholas Kennedy, Fiona Bartholomeus, Kyle Paletto, Daniel Ang, and Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is senior producer, and Gianni DiGiovanni is our executive producer. Thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the walkthrough theme tune, and thanks to Omni Studio for their support of Sifter's three podcasts. If you want to support some independent video game journalism, why not head to Sifter Store and pick up an excellent video game-inspired t-shirt designed and made in Australia. That address is sifter.store or go to sifter.com.au and click merch up the top. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with more news next Sunday.